Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and I am obsessed with helping you learn how to be productive in our distracted world. One of the ways I do that outside of the podcast is to invite you to join my seven-day productivity challenge. All you have to do to sign up for this is go to my website, mrproductivity.com. Remember, Mr. is all spelled out right there at the top of the homepage. It says, join the seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for seven days, and I will teach you how to be a more productive you. On the show today, Joshua Reed. He is a transformational mindset coach and business consultant with over 25 years of study, practice, and teaching in personal development, mind and body coherence, leadership cultivation, and optimal mindset development. This episode is fire, so get ready to get a lot of information right now. Joshua, what is up? Nothing much, Mark. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now, when I ask you how you were doing before we press record, how did you answer me? Just dandy. Yeah. See, I, I have not used the word dandy in quite some time. And <laughs> and I think you've got me inspired now, Joshua. I think we need to uh I need to start saying dandy more because that's a word a lot of people don't use, at least in my my inner circle. Well, it's a revitalization of those words that we've forgotten from when we were younger, right? <laughs> Dandy. And uh, who could ever forget supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Uh, what was it? Mary Poppins? Was that what? Uh... That, that's it. Yeah. yeah. That's an oldie, but it could be. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, we're showing our age. I'm 54. And uh, I remember when that show came out. So that's kind of scary. But uh, <laughs> And I'm talking about the original one, not the one that's been remade. I'm talking about the original Mary Poppins um, when the, uh, you know, they didn't have the great um, uh, special effects they do now in the movies. So it was kind of funny. But anyways, you are a transformational mindset coach. And now for the benefit of those people who are listening to this conversation that says, mm, what is a transformational mindset coach? Tell us what you do. Well, Mark, it, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. I, I uh, influence positive, effective change within people's lives and businesses. Um, I started in the business consulting world after a stint with a few startup companies. And uh, I, I found that I, I went in working with businesses in the sense of consulting, looking for systems and system integrations and process flow. But I ended up more working with the business owners directly or their teams or the C-levels and helping them to kind of understand the where their mind fit into the whole business realm and, and really what their business was in a specific um, perspective of kind of like, I, I guess, uh, of reality-based um, uh, learning, if you want to call it that. So you mean to tell me that when we're working, whether for a business or for ourselves, it's not just doing the work, it actually involves mindset? Oh, absolutely. Mindset is literally everything. So I, I like to define mindset is really your limitation on how you perceive the world, but your internalization of your limitations. So if we want to get to the, the nitty gritty here, another cool word, right? <laughs> yes. We can say that our, our mindset is the limitations of our beliefs, the internalization of our limitations. Hmm. And so what this does is as we work in business or we work in life, 
we have certain things that we produce action on or influence on within our reality. And these things are limited subconsciously, unconsciously by these belief structures that we have implemented. And this is why we have habits and behaviors. This is why we have the thoughts that we have. And this is why we produce the actions that we do within our reality. And sometimes we can get in our own way. We can step on our own feet. We can sabotage ourselves. Um, And I see it all the time, especially with business owners, um, because we wear more than one hat sometimes when we are business owners. You know, it's interesting. I, I will share this with the audience that you and I have had some conversations offline and we had a big conversation about beliefs. And I grew up in a household. I was the only child and, you know, money was kept. Shh, we don't talk about money. I never knew if my parents had money. I knew that we always had a roof over our head. We always had heat in the winter, uh, air conditioning in the summertime. We always had food, went to vacation once a year, but I never knew about money. My parents never told me about money. And so it was really late in life. I'm talking maybe till I got in my thirties or forties that I realized, Oh, you can make money. People do really make money. But when you grow up in a household where, where maybe your family doesn't talk about it, or maybe you live in scarcity or you're poor or broke, whatever the situation may be, that can affect your mindset down the road. You say, well, I don't know anybody who makes money personally. I mean, yeah, I can go on social media and see people making money allegedly, but I don't know anybody in my inner circle. But that's just a belief because I once heard Grant Cardone said, if someone else has done it, then it can be done. So if you want to make a million dollars a year, someone's already done it. You can do it. If you want to make a hundred million dollars a year, someone has already done it. You can go ahead and do it. So as long as someone else has already done it, you can probably do it. But even if they haven't done it before, well, maybe you could be the first one. That's right. And and money is a very interesting topic. And, and being a mindset coach, a lot of the problems I do work with, with clients are money-based. For instance, I always tell people that If you're a business owner, a small business owner, then your business is a direct reflection of your personal life. Your business is a microcosm of your personal life. And I give the analogy that if in your personal life, you're all messed up on your personal finances, well, guess what? If you take care of your your business finances, they're going to be messed up too because it's the same habits, behaviors, actions, and influences affecting the business. And so money is an interesting place to start because- Really, all money is, is an intermediary of exchange. It's nothing but a placeholder for our value. Our value is what we really bring to the marketplace, whether that's individually on a personal level with relationships or whether that's business to business or business to customer. What we're really doing is we're exchanging value within a predetermined marketplace. And in exchange for that value, we get this intermediary for exchange, this placeholder called money, which then we can take that money and now exchange it in some other market for something that's going to bring us value. And value in this sense is, I guess, an alignment towards one of the the two foundational emotions, right? Pleasure or pain. Whereas now I can take that money, go out to a different marketplace and find something to bring me pleasure or bring me education or bring me something that can better myself. What's interesting about money, because we're talking about money here, is I have the, my father is 78 years old, and he every time a sports player signs a multi-trillion dollar contract, he always calls me up the phone and says, I don't think, I know what you believe, Mark, but no one's worth that kind of money. I said, Dad, you know, you know I'm a capitalist, okay? The player asks for the money, the owner pays it. Um, maybe the player is going, I should have asked for more. I, I said, look, at, they don't have to pay in the money. There's no law that says they have to pay this player a trillion dollars. 
But I believe that the marketplace should set the price for everything. And I don't believe anyone should say this service should cost this amount of money. This player should be this kind of money. Disney World should charge this amount of money. I think the marketplace should have um, have the, the, the say in the, in the decision. But I think it's funny. Every time a major player signs a major contract, my dad calls me and he right away starts ranting about nobody's worth that kind of money. I'm like, well, Jeff Bezos is worth like a trillion dollars, too. But he started with nothing. And now he's built this big empire. So you're right. Money is a very sensitive topic. So do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. So it's interesting. I think it was um, Earl Nightingale who defined um, kind of your worth in the marketplace as three different perspectives. It's what you do, the demand for what you do, and how much it would cost to replace you. And so when you look at your worth or your value to the marketplace in that perspective, um, it brings a unique uh, kind of unique perspective in that sense to who we are and how we actually bring value to what we do. I, I think when looking at this in the sense of uh, the athlete or the player, um, I, I think it was Bob Proctor who does the analogy of, of Disney. He goes, you know, Disney will pay $80 million to their CEO a year, which is a ludicrous amount of money. Sorry, Jim Rohn will pay $80 million to the CEO of Disney every year. But why? Because his leadership, his guidance, his decision-making is making that company billions upon billions of dollars a year. So the value that those qualities he has, those skill sets that he has, that he brings to the table are unique unto him. And that's why he gets paid that amount. Not everybody in the world has those abilities. And I agree with you 100% on that. And oddly enough, my parents used to work for Walt Disney World and they would work at the stores and they'd go, how come Bob Iger makes all this money? I'm like, mom, dad, let me explain something to you. You work in the store, you cash people out, you put shirts up at, you know, in the, in the store. That's all you do. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not demeaning that at all, but this guy's in charge of the entire Walt Disney World company. Okay. He gets paid that kind of money. Because he's in charge of everything. You're in charge of showing up for your four or six hour shift, folding his shirts and cashing people out. I mean, really? I mean, and, and we just go around and around and around and debate on this. But, you know, I, I just I, I just try to explain to people, you know, you can't worry about what other people are making. You need to figure out what, what you just share with us. You know, what do you do? Is there a demand for it? And what's the cost to replace you? I think we need to really internalize that and stop comparing ourselves to other people. I think. Uh, comparitis is really killing people because they're not achieving all they can. They're looking at Jimmy or Jane and saying, well, they have this. Why don't I have this? Well, maybe they're doing something you're not. Well, and that goes back to the kind of uh, bubble in society that we built up, doesn't it? We have this kind of social culture where we continually react to the environment around us instead of actually going out there and producing action or causation to our environment that brings about beneficial effects to ourselves. And so you have these types of people who have learned to basically go out there and react to everybody else's actions in the world and then judge themselves based upon that. And then, you know, cry and moan when they don't get that result themselves by just reacting to the external world. And and that's a lot of what I do in, in the sense of helping people is I help people come to the understanding within their mind of how their mind works and integrates into the level of reality of their environment to produce meaningful effects for their future. 
Well, let me ask you this question. Yeah. I, I, I love to always give my audience simple strategies that they can implement and start moving in the right direction. Because my biggest fear is people just listen to this podcast or any podcast and go, oh, that's a nice conversation and move on. I want them to take some action. So do you have a couple tips that you can give people that are really easy to implement? Because I believe complexity is a gateway to procrastination. And I believe that if I give somebody a simple idea and they implement it and they start getting traction, now the ship and or the train is moving. So do you have a couple of go-to strategies that you can share with us that someone listening to this conversation and go, oh, I could do that. Yeah, and so it comes down to a really simple analogy. Um, the, the cartoon Scooby-Doo was on for a very, very long yes. time. Each Scooby-Doo episode taught a different moral, a different story. But there was one underlying lesson that was taught in every single Scooby-Doo episode. And it was this. It's that every monster is nothing more than a human in disguise. And if you take off their masks, you take the power away and you empower yourself. And so this is an interesting analogy because what it does is it shows us that our fears, everything external to us is undefined. And since they are undefined, it appears to us as something that can produce pain or um, be a cause of the, the worry about our survival. And so if we simply remove the mask from those fears, from those anxieties or whatever they might be by defining them, by bringing knowledge and understanding to them, we then empower ourselves and produce confidence within ourselves that we now know what that is and it no longer can affect us in that way. So when you say so, removing the and moving the mask and defining them, what do you mean? Go a little bit deeper on that. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So anything in our reality um, has to be either defined or in another sense, it has to be undefined. And the example I like to use is imagine, for example, a caveman 250,000 years ago who walks outside and he sees two bushes in his environment. And he knows these bushes intimately. These are the same two bushes that have been there his whole life. One bush has luscious berries and there's birds eating the berries. There's insects on the bush. There's animals eating the berries. The other one has these ugly berries and no insects, birds, or anything will touch that bush. Both of these bushes are defined. One of them on the left-hand side has these luscious berries and he defines that bush as giving pleasure because all the other animals have it. The bushes are look luscious. They look, it looks like they're nutritious. I could eat them. I know that if I go and eat those berries, there's a good chance that I'm going to survive and it's going to bring me some amount of pleasure because ultimately what we're talking about here is emotion. There are only two fundamental emotions, pleasure and pain. Now we go to the second bush. No animals are there. No birds are eating those berries. So we've defined this bush as something that we stay away from, something that's going to produce pain if we eat those berries because we've never seen anybody eat them. And so now what we have is two definitions within our reality, one moving towards pleasure and one moving away from pain. Now, if we take the same analogy and we walk out into the woods and we see a bush that we've never seen before. It's got a different structures of least and we see berries. And let's say that we're hungry and we look at that bush and we go, hmm, I wonder if I should eat the berries. Well, what are the first things we're going to look for? Are there animals? Are there insects? Are there birds eating those berries? Are there seeds on the ground from when a bird eat them, ate them? Or is there poo on the ground from when a bird ate them, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't see any of these things. So this means that this bush is going to stay undefined because we don't have enough information to process it at that point in time. 
since that bush is undefined, by default, our minds associate it with pain. Now, let me say that again. Since that bush is undefined, by default, for the sake of our own survival, our minds associate that with pain. Now, bring that you know, 250,000 years into the future where we live in this fast-paced society. That mind hasn't evolved much. It's still the same mind that operates on the same principles of survival, which means that anything that is undefined within our existential reality, we by default associate it with pain. And we call these anxieties, we call these fears. These are the things in our reality that we try to ignore whether consciously or subconsciously. Now, I I just had a a coaching call with somebody and we were talking about their future. And he said, well, I'm afraid of what's going to happen in my future. And I said, well, why are you afraid of it? We had already built a plan where we defined the future. He goes, well, I forgot about that. And I wasn't thinking about the definition I had. And so it was kind of variable and up to the definition of his mind at that moment. So It's like running around in a circle, going over different variables in your mind of your future. You're not going to be able to select the right one. So your mind's going to go through the positive and the negative, most likely focusing on the negative because it does not want you to go that way because it wants you to survive. And so when we don't define, for instance, our future, we're bound to never move towards the direction that we always want to go. Right. So let's say that we want to be successful. We want to be multimillionaires. We want to do this and this and this. And we have this idea in our mind of what it is, this conceptualization of what it is. But yet we don't define the process. We don't define the outcome, the expectations. Well, by definition, it's not really defined. We just have an idea, but we have no like roadmap to get ourselves there. And since we have not defined the roadmap, our mind will always move us away from that undefinition because it is undefined. I love how you explained it. It makes a lot of sense. And it also reminded me, uh, Tony Robbins said that you will not change until the pain of staying is greater than the pain of leaving. And let me say it again because you missed it, listener. You will not change from where you are like uh, Joshua just talked about defined versus defi- undefined and you know your your p- plan for your life. You will not change until the pain of staying is greater than the pain of changing. And I know I've been stuck in that for many years in the past because I didn't want to like, okay, well, I'm okay. It sucks being here, but I'm afraid of what's over there because to use your words, it's undefined. But Tony Robbins also says that you're better off trying to move in some direction, even if it's the wrong direction, because at least you're moving. I see a lot of people with my clients and whatnot, they're stuck. They're afraid to take that next step. So they're paralyzed. And meanwhile, life just keeps passing them by. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the key factors that I was, I I wanted to get to is definition leads to decision Mm. and see decision as Tony Robbins said, it comes from the word incision. It means to cut away from everything else. We tend to think that decision means to like hold on to something and carry it along with us. No, no, that's not what it is. It means to cut away from all other options. As Tony Robbins says, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. Yeah. And so what definition does is it provides us with the, the conceptualization inside of our mind of a plan, a roadmap to where we want to go. We start identifying with who we want to become. And so since that process is defined, we make the decision, we cut away from everything else to do that, to produce that action. 
So would you say someone who's listening to this conversation says, okay, Joshua, I get it. I understand what you're saying. Okay, I get it. I had no plan for my life. What do I do? What can I do today? And I would always tell people, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. I always tell people, go get a, a notebook, go get a piece of paper, go someplace with as distraction-free as possible, and just start writing like what you really love to do. What would you like to do? Start creating some dreams, start creating some plans for your life as to get the ball rolling. Because if you don't do that, and I, I don't do it on a tablet or a computer, I mean, you actually do it with your pen and paper. Do you agree with something like that? Yeah, there's a psychological effect that actually takes place when you physically write things out, especially problems and ideas. And so one of the things I always do on one of the first sessions with my clients is I tell them to make a T, a big T on a piece of paper. On the left-hand side, write down every single thing that they absolutely love to do. I don't care what, whether it's playing with your kids, taking your dog for a walk, drinking wine, drinking beer, football games, if it's work, it, traveling, skiing, whatever it is, write down everything on the left-hand side that you love to do. Then on the right-hand side, rate, rate yourself on the ability to do it on a scale of one to 10. One being, I'm not very good at it, but I still like doing it. And 10 being, it is the absolute best thing that I could ever do. And what you'll find is you'll probably have a list of about 10 things you'd love to do. And you might have one or two that score a nine or a 10. And then what I want your listeners to do is I want them to circle those things that scored nine or 10, because ultimately that's what you should be doing with your life. That is where your passion lies. That is something that you could do right now that you have the skill set to enter into that market industry and start making a living immediately. That's something that you could do that bring happiness and joy into your life almost immediately. Going back, I guess, going back to Tony Robbins again, if you want to change your state, the place that you currently are within your mentality, change your physiology, right? Mm. Smile. I, I, I love doing this exercise with clients and it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know what mood everybody's in, but just put a smile on your face. <laughs> just put a smile on your face, whether how fake it is, it doesn't matter. You're going to have a physiological reaction inside your body. That's going to produce endorphins that are going to immediately start changing your state, whether that's a fake smile or a real smile. And here's the thing is think of all the negative and bad things that have affected you throughout your day. All the things that made you angry, sad, or mad. And then put on that fake smile and try to have those things affect you. They can't. I love that because I once heard Tony say, it sounds like this is a Tony Robbins podcast, but I always yeah. heard him say that when something really bad happens, you're driving down the road, pouring rain, you get a flat tire. Most people start cursing and pounding the steering wheel and saying, this really sucks. But Tony says, well, what if you say, well, this is rather inconvenient. It changes your whole state. Or if you laugh, he says, uh, the power, you talk about smiling. He says, the power of changing the state lies in the doing a big belly laugh. Now, if you get pulled over speeding, don't do a belly laugh in front of the police officer. That's not smart. But if you had a really bad day and you get a flat tire after you got a speeding ticket, just do a belly laugh. It's going to change your state. It's really difficult to smile and laugh and be angry at somebody. So I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of people need to focus on their state because I see a lot of people walking around with scowls on their face and they're so mad. 
said, "What? Do you, look at you're alive. You have two legs, two arms. You're you're walking around and breathing. What are you mad about? I mean, we, sometimes we 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 take things out of perspective. We don't realize that the true perspective is that we're alive, that we're living today. We are alive at this point in time. And but it's real easy to go to negativity. It's really easy to go to the complaining route. Absolutely. And so here here's something interesting because you hit on this in the sense of Tony Robbins, but the concept is is ancient, I would say. And here's a poem from uh, from Rumi, which is like back in the 1200s, right? Wow. <laughs> and it's called The Guest House. And this is something that I came across on one of those days where you're just having a bad day. And it, it was interesting because it completely changed my physiology, my mindset, my mood, my paradigm immediately. So it, it says... This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if there are a crowd of sours, sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Hmm. And so that's powerful. It is powerful because it's telling you that this mood that you're going through, this uh, feeling, this emotion, this anger, this resentment, whatever it is, is meant to clear out yourself to make room for something that's going to be joyous and it's going to be happy. You have to, uh, it, it goes back to what we we're just talking about. If you have a wound, whether it's emotional, whether it's, um, you know, physical or not, you have to remove the knife before you can actually heal. Yes, I agree with that. And if you have kids, and I think you have kids, I do. everybody knows about the movie frozen and the number one song from that movie was let it go. I think everyone needs to start singing this song. If you don't know what the song is, go to Amazon, uh, Apple music or Spotify or Amazon music, whatever, play the song and basically just let it go. Because guess what? You have a bad day today. Well, you have another day tomorrow and another day after that. So I have bad days. I'm sure you have bad days. It's, it's part of life. You're going to have bad days. You can dwell on it. Gary Vaynerchuk says all the time, you can dwell or you can do. So you can dwell on, oh, you know, what I call the Eeyore versus the Winnie Pooh. I think that's dating me, but I'm sure you know who that is, right? Eeyore is the guy who went around and says, the sky is falling. Woe is me. And Winnie the Pooh is like, hey, you know what? I just, you know, I get, I go to the tree full of honey with bees and scoop up me honey and he's happy. I think we need to be like Winnie the Pooh or Tigger and not like Eeyore. And I think a lot of people, if you know that reference, you're like, oh man, how many days am I operating like Eeyore? Because Eeyore is that guy in the office or the person you know that's Debbie Downer. They're always depressed. Everything's horrible in their life and they need to transition over the Winnie the Pooh. You know, it's a great point that you just made there, Mark. But one thing we have to keep in mind is that Eeyore doesn't know that he's Eeyore. True. Eeyore only knows Eeyore. And so it comes through a process of self-discovery, of self-enlightenment, of, of self, uh, you know, self-development, that we discover who we truly are in this moment. And from that point, can we only begin the change? 
We have to know who we are now. We have to know who we become, who the, how the thoughts, the actions, the influences, the habits, the behaviors, the beliefs have culminated to this moment to define who we believe ourselves to be right now. We have to know who that is. We have to know our own Eeyore, right? And so if we don't, then we don't know anything external to ourselves. It goes back to the, the law of, of cause and effect where we continuously react to the world around us. You know, if we continuously react to the world around us, that's the only world we know. We don't know anything about creating. We don't know anything about causation. We only know about reacting. And we don't want to be in reactionary mode. We want to be in proactive mode because if you look at the high performers in our world, none of them are reactive. They're all proactive. They're all trying to figure out, okay, how can I become better every day? And so reactionary people are not going to be as productive as proactive people are. That's right. And, and so I define personal development, which is the industry that I am in, as the foundation to who you are becoming. And so what this means is that every book that you read, every bit of knowledge that you learn, every time that you sit and listen to somebody else, you are developing yourself in who you are going to become in the future. And now this goes back to definition. If you have not defined that person, then isn't personal development just a waste of time in that sense? If you don't know who you're becoming and you're just taking in information, but you don't know how to utilize it, you don't know how to lay it down and build a road, a pathway, then it's maybe it's time to sit down and define ourselves within a piece of paper to know who we are, to have that starting point, and then, then define who we want to become. And I agree with that. And I just want to tell the listener that, If you were like I was like five, six years ago, I didn't know what I want to do with my life. It's not too late. If you're still breathing, I don't care if you're 20, 40, 60, whatever, do the exercise Josh talked about. Get a piece of paper, get a pen, start doing the, what you, uh, let's see, I wrote it down here, two columns. Um, Well, what you love to do and then rate yourself on your ability to do them from one to 10. Just do that simple exercise and it's going to really show you what you what you should be doing don't go another day with going i don't know what i want to do in my life do something about it josh can't change you i can't change you but you can change yourself so josh you gave us a lot to think about before i let you go two questions number one any final thoughts you want to leave with the listener today um yeah i mean it's uh it really comes down to who you define yourself to be and who you define yourself that you want to become um, one great quote pertaining to a lot of this and in the sense, cause we're, what we're talking about here is we're talking about dreams. We're talking about our, our visions of the future, our visualizations, right? And so one way to look at this is that if you're paid a salary, right? Your salary is nothing more than a bribe paid to you to forget about your dreams and to work towards somebody else's. <laughs> I never thought of it that way before. <laughs> well, but here's the thing is if you're paid a salary, right? That means you're going to work every day and you're dependent upon other people's influences, True, which means that you're reacting to their world. So you're reacting to other people's dreams, other people's desires, other people's wants, because ultimately your actions are fulfilling them. And so I'm just saying is self-empowerment is a beautiful thing. And when you take it into your own, your own ability to create, to be a causer, to produce and influence things in your own reality, you can have any life you want. 
That's powerful. That is very powerful. So where can we find you online, find out more about you and what uh, you have to offer the world? Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to give you the links here. So they'll have all the links below, but my website is joshuarobertreed.com. That's first name, J-O-S-H-U-A-R-O-B-E-R-T-R-E-I-D.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, fairly active on there. Feel free to go ahead and connect with me. Um, and yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, giving us massive value. Uh, the big takeaway I think everyone should take is if you don't know where you are, where you're headed to, then just do the simple exercise. I mean, it won't take that long, but put it on your schedule because if you put it in your mind and go, someday I'm going to, no, put it on your schedule, gift yourself the time to do the exercise. It's not that hard. And for all we know, or I should say, for all you know, you may be going down the wrong path and this exercise will get you pointed in the right direction. So Joshua, thank you so much for being on the show today. You are an absolute rock star, sir. Thank you much, Mark. You take care and uh, all your listeners take care. Have a great day. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to MrProductivity.com. That's MrProductivity.com. Mr. is all spelled out. Join the seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you how to be a more productive version of yourself. And while you're there, you can also apply for a free, yes, free 30-minute coaching session with me, all that and more at my website, mrproductivity.com. I want to thank you so much for your time and attention for listening all the way to the end of this episode. I truly appreciate you more than you know. If you found value in the show, please share it. If you are not subscribed, it would mean the world to me if you did subscribe. So thank you so much. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.